Matthew 25 Jesus provides a picture of the coming reality of the kingdom of heaven. As they approach the time of his sacrifice, Jesus makes sure the disciples know that soon it will be too late. The door of opportunity will close, and for many the door will remain shut. He gives them another image of the same reality to bring the picture into focus. Once they are bridesmaids waiting for their bridegroom, now they are slaves waiting for their master. This time they are given responsibilities that will be rewarded. The blessings of the kingdom bring risks along with the benefits. Hello, everyone. I'm Neil Parks. We're moving right along through Matthew 25, and last time we met, we stepped back into Matthew 24, where Jesus is describing the signs of the things that must happen before his return. He warns his bride to be prepared, because judgment is coming. And how we as the church are to be conduits for God's word to the generation around us as well as the generations that follow us. In Matthew 25, Jesus is explaining a parable to the twelve disciples about the kingdom of heaven by using ten virgins five wise and five foolish, in the first twelve verses. But we quickly move to another parable, the parable of the talents. Verse 13 of Matthew 25. So stay awake, Jesus is speaking. You neither know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. This is how it will be. It will be like a landowner who is going on a trip. He instructs his slaves, big word here, about caring for his property. He gave five talents to one slave, two to the next, and then one talent to the last slave, each according to his or her ability. Then the man left. Verse 16 Promptly, the man who had been given the five talents went out and bartered and sold and turned his five talents to ten. And the one who had received two talents went to the market and turned his two into four. Verse 18, And the slave who had received just one talent, he dug a hole in the ground, and buried his master's money there. Verse 19, Eventually the master came back from his travels, found his slaves, and settled up with them. Verse 20, The slave who had been given five talents came forward and told his master how he'd turned five into ten. Then he handed the whole lot over to his master. Excellent, said the master. You've 
proved yourself not only clever, but loyal. You've executed a rather small task masterfully. So now I'm going to put you in charge of something larger. But before you go back to work, come join my great feast and celebration. Then the slave who had been given two talents came forward and told his master how he'd turned two into four. And he handed all four talents to his master. And the master said, Excellent! You've proved yourself not only clever, but loyal. You've executed a rather small task masterfully. So now I'm going to put you in charge of something larger. But before you go back to work, come join me, my great feast and celebration. Verse 24. Finally, the man who had been given one talent came forward. The servant said, Master, I know you are a hard man, difficult in every way. You can make a healthy sum when others would fail. You profit when other people are doing the work. You grow rich on the backs of others. So I was afraid, dug a hole, and hid the talent in the ground. Here it is, you can have it. Verse 26, the master was furious. The master said, you are pathetic. Excuse for a a pathetic excuse for a servant. You have dis." disproved my trust in you and squandered my generosity. You know, I always make a profit. You could have at least put this talent in the bank, then could have earned a little interest on it. Take that one talent away and give it to the servant who doubled my money from five to ten. Verse 29. For to everyone who has and values his blessings and gifts from God, and has used them wisely. There's that big word, isn't it? Wisely. More will be given, and he will be richly supplied, so that he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, because he has ignored or disregarded his blessings and gifts from God. Even what he does have will be taken away and throw out the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place of grief and torment, there will be weeping over sorrow and pain and grinding of teeth over the distress and anger. Whew! A lot of information there, folks. But the Lord is always consistent, and as we proceed through Matthew 25, this second parable is very consistent, to say the least, coming off the heels of the ten virgins. Jesus, in both of these parables, is actually telling his disciples that judgment is coming. 
I will have to say that in my 35 years of following the Lord, the one term I'm quite sure that most Christians hate to hear is judgment. God is love, but God is also just, and God hates sin. I am fully convinced that the leadership of the church today has neglected to encourage the body of Christ to seek knowledge and understanding about the giftings that each child of God has been given. As followers of Christ, we are unique individuals, image bearers, aren't we, if you will, of the creator of the universe. Look what 1 Peter 4.10 says, Just as each one of you has received a spiritual gift. Now think about that. Each person, each image bearer of God has a special gift, a special talent, an ability graciously given by God. He goes on to say, employ it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God, multifaceted grace, faithfully using the diverse, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. Now, this is Peter talking. Peter, one of the disciples, he's right there. He's explaining that we're all gifted. Look what John Gill, the uh, gifted uh, commentator, says about this. The things that ministers of the Word are entrusted with are things of value. The gospel is a pearl of great price or rich treasure that is put into their earthen vessels. It is the unsearchable riches of Christ. Gifts to preach it are spiritual and preferable to gifts of nature and providence. And the souls of men committed to their care are of great worth and esteem with Christ. Nor are any of these their own, but Christ's. What he's saying is, these gifts are God's gifts, and therefore must be given an account of them. This shows both the awfulness and usefulness of the gospel ministry. Well, as you can see, the master in this parable is very pleased with the servants that use their giftings. But the one that neglected or wasted his gifting was judged harshly. Big, big message here, folks. When the Lord calls us to serve him, what it is, is a calling. God uses his people to reach people. And that, and at the same time, he continues to purify his bride. Because the ultimate plan of his bride is a marriage in everlasting life. There is no room in a marriage for selfishness without consequences. 
So here's the question today. What are you doing with your unique gifting? Can he, God, trust you to use it? Or are you a foolish servant? Well, that's about it for this time, my listeners. Hope to see you next week. And by the way, if you have friends or relatives that come to mind as you listen, please invite them. And comments are always welcome as well at this address. Fill the lamp at yahoo.com. That's one word, fill the lamp at yahoo.com. Let me pray for you. Oh, Lord Jesus, I just lift up every listener here. I just pray that as your word goes forth, wherever it is, that it penetrates into the hearts of the listeners. I pray that uh, they study your word to become mature and understand that they have these precious gifts. They're your gifts, and what they do with them glorifies you or it doesn't glorify you. Father God, I just lift them up to you right this very moment in Jesus' name. We pray. That'll do it. This is Neil Parks.